I've just been watching U.S. President Biden deliver his first State of the Union address in the last hour. It seems remarkable. You know, a week ago, it was hard to imagine he'd be delivering that address in the shadow of a war. But here we are. Uh, the blue and yellow flag of Ukraine, or at least the colors of the flag, was were evident um, today as he gave his speech in the room. Some had little Ukrainian flags, were flying them. Ukraine's ambassador to the U.S., Oksana Markarova, was given a standing ovation. It just shows you how much has changed in the last week. Well, Biden used the moment to tell the American people that he condemns Russia for its invasion of its neighbor and telling Vladimir Putin that he must pay a price for its unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. Six days ago, Russia's Vladimir Putin sought to shake the very foundations of the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. But he badly miscalculated. He thought he could roll into Ukraine and the world would roll over. Instead, he met with a wall of strength he never anticipated or imagined. He met the Ukrainian people. Biden also announcing the U.S. will close airspace to Russian planes joining allies such as Canada. As Biden was speaking, though, Russia continued a bombardment of civilian areas in Ukraine today. Besieged cities bracing for more attacks on Wednesday as Russian commanders are facing fierce Ukrainian res resistance and intensifying the bombardment of urban areas. This is what happened today in the eastern city of Kharkiv, a city of about 1.5 million people, the second biggest in Ukraine near the Russian border. The international community continues to try to get Russia to stop. Today, Canada announced it will expand its sanctions to target more Russian oligarchs close to Putin and businesses. We understand the stakes of this great conflict between democracy and dictatorship. The battleground today is Ukraine, but this is our fight too. President Putin has made a grave and historic error. This is not the behavior of a superpower. This is the last gasp of a failing kleptocracy. And Russia's invasion has left it economically isolated, its economy in free fall. So what impact is that really having on Vladimir Putin and his cronies? Few are better placed to answer that question then my next guest, Bill Browder, is CEO of Hermitage Capital Management, head of the Global Magnitsky Justice Campaign, author of Red Notice, and a man often called Vladimir Putin's number one enemy. He joins me now from London, England. Good to be here. I imagine there's a lot of competition for that title now as number one enemy, but just from your perspective, because you've been watching this for so long, how would you sum up the last six days, just the international response, the sanctions, everything that's been done? It's, it's unprecedented beyond any, anybody's expectations, and particularly Vladimir Putin's expectations. Uh, you know, if I look at, at all the developments, what Vladimir Putin has done is not that unexpected. He's, he's, he has invaded countries before. He did Georgia in 2008. He took Crimea in 2014. Um, he flattened Chechnya in, uh, when he was just prime minister in uh, in, in year 2000. What's unexpected is the West's reaction. And, and all those previous atrocities that Putin committed, um, there was no consequence. We didn't do anything in the West. This time around, there's been a, just an enormous consequence. The, the entire system of, of uh, economics with Russia has been cut off. And, and uh, 
and I think that we're just seeing the beginnings of it right now. I'm, I'm uh, in terms of the sanctions, in terms of cutting Russia off of SWIFT, in terms of the freezing of the money in the central bank, in terms of the oligarchs, in terms of the airplanes. It's uh, uh, everything. It's 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 like nothing I've ever seen before. You've been calling for measures like this for years. Which of these sanctions has most surprised you or pleasantly surprised you, I should say? I would say that that the oligarch sanctions that are being rolled out and the um, commitments by the Western governments to freeze and seize yachts and planes and villas and accounts of, of these oligarchs is really the thing that, that hits Putin right between the eyes. Why is that? Because there's always this idea that maybe Putin decides who gets to make money or not. I mean, I think we, we know that story very well. Uh, what kind of pressure can his circle, if they start to be preyed upon, as we're seeing now, maybe that's not the right choice of words, but what kind of pressure could they put on Putin if their wealth starts to disappear and their ability to move starts to disappear? Well, this is the interesting um, thing that most people don't understand. It's not that the oligarchs are going to put pressure on Putin, but these oligarchs are nominees for Vladimir Putin. They hold his money. So when you're sanctioning an oligarch, you're sanctioning Vladimir Putin. If you freeze the money of an oligarch, you're freezing Vladimir Putin's money. And since it's his money and he kills for money, this is what he cares about most. After all the examples over all the years that we've talked about, the Crimeas, the Donbasses, the assassinations in London, the Syrias, the Chechnyas, the Georgias, the Moldovas, why now? Why now? Do you, why do you think suddenly the whole world just woke up and said, wait a second, this is unacceptable? <clears throat> well, there's several things. One is that um, the United States played it differently than they've ever played it before. In the past, there was always some plausible deniability who started it in Georgia. Was it the Georgians firing first or the, or the Russians? Um, you know, there's all, there was always some, some strange twist to the whole thing. But in this particular case, the United States used their intelligence, put it out there every day, beat the drum every day and said, Russia's going to invade, Russia's going to invade, Russia's going to invade. Here's how many soldiers, here's what they're going to do. And by the time Putin invaded, all of his nonsense was just completely discarded. And, and the other thing which is interesting is that all the apologists, all the appeasers, the um, Germans and the French, they all went to Putin and said, you know, don't invade, don't invade, don't invade. And Putin said, oh, don't worry, I'm not invading. And then they, they invaded and they felt completely lied to and disrespected. And so you ended up in the situation where the information was all clear. There was this personal insult to, to heads of state from some very important countries and then, of course, most importantly, is the atrocities that we see played out in real time against an innocent country that um, didn't ask for any of this. And and I think it's all it's for Putin. This is totally unexpected. He never he, there were never any consequences to him before. And now, all of a sudden, the entire world is treating him like the pariah that he should have always been recognized as. I mean, you're very familiar with the power structure in Russia, the Sergei Lavrovs, the Putins, and so forth. What would it, what would the impact on them be to find themselves within a period of a week as sort of another? And I don't want to. I'm going to exaggerate. Forgive the hyperbole, but as sort of another um, another North Korea. Well, I think this is this is totally, you know, a new experience for them, and 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 it's also really an important um, thing that's happening to the Russian people. Putin's pitch to the Russian people after when he came to power was that during the previous regime, the Yeltsin regime, it was chaos, it was hyperinflation, it was economic contraction, it was 
total, you know, just terrible life. And he said, I'm going to bring economic order. I'm going to bring you a better life. And, um, you know, stick with me. You may have to like give up a few of your liberties and freedoms, but it's all going to be, you know, no more of that chaos. And now all of a sudden he's brought the chaos unilaterally to the people based on his single decision. It wasn't anyone else who did this. This is not an arbitrary thing that happened. It's not something that happened as a result of, of outside events. This is Putin's own doing. And so he's basically broken his contract with the Russian people. Now, his contract with the Russian people doesn't matter because these people don't elect him. I mean, you know, in, you know, in theory, they, they, they are supposed to elect him. But in practice, it's all one big fudged, corrupt, non-democratic thing, you know, cheated, cheating elections. But, but it's still, uh, it's, a, it's a huge break with the past in terms of how he relates to the Russian people. And the only way he's going to be able to move forward now is with total totalitarian you know, crackdown because the people are not going to be happy with this. People are going to be happy with not getting money from the banks. They're not going to be happy with the prices going up 100%. They're not going to be happy with an economic contraction. It's probably going to be more like a depression than a recession. It's not going to be good. You said this before. You don't think this has anything to do with Ukraine and NATO and greater Russia. And, and you think it's, you, you've said it's all a bit of a Putin smokescreen to stay in power. That's exactly right. So Putin, Putin has been a dictator for 22 years. He's stolen an enormous amount of money from the people that should have been spent on medicine and, and, and education and all, you know, public services. Instead, it's in yachts and planes and villas. And people are grumbling, and, and, and they're grumbling everywhere. It's not just Russia. They're grumbling in Kazakhstan and in Belarus and, and Azerbaijan. And what he's seen is that in neighboring countries, the people are starting to try to overthrow their leaders. They did so in 18 months ago in Belarus, and it only happened, didn't happen because Putin sent his own troops in. <laughs> it did happen in uh, Kazakhstan. The um, uh, Nazarbayev family was kicked out, and Putin has seen the writing on the wall. And doesn't you know? He knows that, that they're coming for him next. And the best way to make sure that that doesn't happen is to do something dramatic and, and cut, you know dig into the dictator's playbook. And the main thing you do in a situation like this is start a war, and that's what he's done. He's got nothing to you know the rhetoric around NATO and Ukraine. That's all just for for his pitch to the public. But um, that, 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 that there's in my mind there's nothing to that at all. It's just purely a desperate little man who's been there for 22 years, who understands that if ever at the moment he loses power, he goes to jail, loses his money and probably dies. And therefore he's got to stay in power until the end of his natural life. And the only way to do that is by starting a war. I'm back with Bill Browder, CEO of Hermitage Capital Management and head of the Global Magetsky Justice Campaign, author of Red Notice. You would know well how these sanctions will hit the inner circle, uh, Putin's inner circle. Do you think that he's in any position now to find some way to, to retreat? Putin doesn't have a reverse a, a reverse gear. He just he can only go forward. He's a man who has to show power, strength. He, he's he's living in a prison yard culture where um, he absolutely can't show any weakness, and so there's no chance of him retreating. It doesn't matter what we do; he's not going to retreat. The main reason for sanctions is to basically cut him off, so that eventually he has no more money left to um, to wage this war. It's a very expensive war. And um, uh, the central bank reserves are now frozen. Hopefully, all the offshore money of the oligarchs will be frozen. Hopefully, all sorts of resources and money that are coming from the West 
with all these Western companies stopping doing business in Russia will be frozen. And as a result, one can hope that he just runs out of money. That's how we ended up um, winning the Cold War. That's how it was because they ran out of money. And that has to be the strategy here. We always read about how much money he's stashed away for this very moment. In fact, I think the last time we spoke, we talked about his sort of war chest. Uh, how quickly does that war chest vanish under these circumstances? Well, so his, in theory, he's got a $640 billion war chest at the central bank, but most of that money is held in, in, in currencies that are frozen. So he doesn't have access to that money. And um, sovereign wealth fund is frozen. And then the oligarchs money where he holds money is, uh, offshore is also frozen. So it's very quickly he's going to run out of money. It's, it's, there's no question. What have you made of companies? So, I mean, we've seen governments obviously unite, but also Western companies now who have been reluctant to do much in, in Russia over the years are now also packing up and leaving, which might be an even worse sign for the future for Russia. Well, I think it's, I think it's a very strong sign for, for um, containing Putin because they're all doing it now. I mean, I, I could have never imagined in, in my wildest dreams that BP would, would give up their stake in Rosneft or, or that some, um, uh, uh, the shipping companies would stop picking up uh, loads in, 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 in Russian ports or, or, you know, Warner Brothers stops making, uh, delivering movies in Russia. It's all, it's, it's all very, um, uh, it's all very unprecedented and, and dramatic and helpful to this cause. And I think that, that we're just seeing the beginning of it, that you're going to see more and more and more and more. And um, uh, I mean, basically no Western company can, can uh, legitimately, carry on doing business with Russia the way that this has now been positioned. And so I think it's, it's extremely powerful. This is what ended apartheid was the disinvestment and total blockade of economic activity with us with South Africa. I can imagine, I mean, this is an industry, you know, very well, but I imagine even foreign investment in Russia will, will dry up. Oh, there's no, there's not gonna be any foreign investment yeah. at all. Now the, the only lifeline that, 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 that these people might have is, um, is from China. Uh, China may may have be the lender of last resort, but but uh, China is not going to do that on terms that are going to be very attractive to Russia. So I think that it's it's all it's it's all pretty terrible for Vladimir Putin. One always talks about what it might be like to back someone like Vladimir Putin into a corner, and I think the fear is that that whatever happens is going to happen to the people of Ukraine. When you look ahead to the next week, month. Do you have any sense that this is going to get better before it gets much worse? Well, I think that, that we've seen the best we're going to see. The Ukrainians in the first five days have fought off the Russians valiantly, but um, and made made Putin look ridiculous. Like you know, all this this you know this columns of tanks all burned up and cars running out of gas and I mean, the whole thing. Putin looks ridiculous. Um, and he can't stand being humiliated. And so I think you're going to end up seeing him really, you know, lashing out to, to show how brutal he is. And so I, I'm, you know, I, I'm sort of weeping in advance for, for the Ukrainian people because I know what's in store for them. And it's not good. When you look back at all the years you've been fighting this fight, is there any gratification at all in the I told you so of the last week? No. I, 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 there's no gratification. All I can do is feel horrible about what's happening and, and terrified for the Ukrainians and terrified for ourselves about what's going to happen going forward. I mean, this is, this man is, is a madman with nuclear weapons and God knows he, he would use them if, if that was his ultimate last resort. And I, it doesn't matter what I was saying 
for the last 10 years, all that matters is what's going to happen now. And, and I don't have a good feeling. Yeah. I think, I think everyone shares that, that everyone shares that sense of deep unease. It's even hard to describe to some extent. Bill Browder, thank you so much again for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you.